from KQED. You're listening to Cued Up, storytelling with heart. I'm Sandhya Dirks. What does it mean when Nazis, neo-Nazis, march in American streets? Forty years ago, that was a question, too, in Skokie, Illinois. They want to hold demonstrations there and pass out some of their abundant anti-Jew, anti-Black literature. The American Civil Liberties Union represented the neo-Nazis and their right to protest. It was free speech, after all. He's inviting Nazis from all over the United States to hold a demonstration. The same free speech the ACLU had sought to protect in the civil rights struggle. To hold back the power of government, uh, to prevent government from infringing on people's liberties to the extent that that caused us, for instance, to represent civil rights marchers in the South. We were unpopular. That's David Hamlin in 1977. Hamlin was the executive director of the ACLU's Illinois chapter. At the Your time. Pre- present client's positions are actually destructive. Well, implemented, they are destructive. Certainly. Answering the question of what free speech is has never been easy. I want to play you some more archival tape, this found on the wonders of YouTube. It's a resident of Skokie, Illinois, arguing with local police about, well, about what constitutes free speech and what is legal. You know what's funny is they can march down the streets of Skokie carrying a sign that says gas to Jews, but they can't carry a sign that says fuck, because that is against the law. Now, where the hell are you talking about right to priorities? It certainly is against the law. They can march down the streets wearing a swastika, right? In front of these people who weighed 85 pounds when the war was over, but they can't march down the streets naked. That's against the law. The barricade is over here, is that right? Fast forward four decades to today, late summer in Charlottesville, Virginia. Neo-Nazis carrying swastika flags and tiki torches marched through the streets. They brought violence with them to the streets of Charlottesville. A woman, Heather Hare, was killed. Just after all of that, we heard that free speech protests were being planned by pro-Trump and far-right fringe groups in the Bay Area. Free speech in this case seemed to be a sort of code for pro-Trump and pro-hate protesters, the same guys who showed up in Charlottesville. And people were afraid that they would also show up in San Francisco and Berkeley. But how did free speech come to mean that? And how is free speech becoming the province of the far right? Berkeley gets a lot of attention from the far right, especially since Donald Trump was elected president. Telling Sean Hannity, her experience shows how colleges like Berkeley are trying to stamp out conservative speech. And when they talk about Berkeley, they talk about free speech. Here's Ann Coulter. Oh, get over yourselves, Berkeley. We have a First Amendment. People have fought and died for the right to free speech. A lot of those fights for free speech happened on the Berkeley campus. Berkeley is, after all, the birthplace of the free speech movement. He tried to exercise free speech. When he stood up there, the police took him away. That shows the entire process that's going on campus. We, of course, it's important to remember the history of that movement and how bound together it was with the fight for civil rights. The leaders of the free speech movement were all students who were involved in CORE, the Congress for Racial Equity, and they fought to express their beliefs on campus. But free speech, as it gets used by the far right, has gone very far from civil rights. No space space for free speech on the left, and not just this bit of the left, most of the left. That's far-right fringe provocateur Milo Yiannopoulos. Here's Joey Gibson, who organized and then canceled the rally in San Francisco. Okay, I know that there are so many liberals out there who believe in free speech, they're just afraid to say it. 
They're afraid to speak out because the social justice warriors, the extremists on the left, the, the There's left, no small okay, irony in the fact the that those who once defined free speech in Berkeley would probably now be labeled the extreme left by the far-right fringe. The ACLU might get labeled the extreme left, too. They've been on the ground fighting many of the Trump administration's policies. They've positioned themselves in opposition to the current president. Perhaps what is different now is that those who are speaking hate, these modern neo-Nazis, and those that are trying to claim free speech for the far-right, see themselves represented in the highest position of power now in the White House. But not all of those people were neo-Nazis, believe me. Not all of those people were white supremacists by any stretch. Free speech, like so many other terms, is being redefined and rebranded as a pushback against a perceived overreach of political correctness, and some argue a license to speak hate. What happens when speech stops speaking, when violence replaces language? Just what are the limits of free speech? To answer those questions, we're going to drop you right in the middle of the protests in Berkeley, where KQED reporters were on the ground. Here's Devin Kadiyama early on the morning of August 27th. It's about 9 a.m. right now. I'm standing in the middle of Civic Center Park, and there are several signs hung up around the park, some on public buildings, uh, one that says, all you need is love, another that's hung in a tree right in front of me that says, hate has no home here. Um, there's about probably two to three dozen people just walking around the park or sitting in the park and there are several officers um, on each corner of the park as well so it's very heavily staffed here uh, early in the morning at 9 a.m. Hey, uh, I'm uh, Jordan Davis and I am a Bay Area resident slash native. Um, I'm wearing a <laughs> Trump flag I mean unfortunately I, I can't um, bring in the flagpoles so I'm just wearing it like it's a cape like a Batman cape. I'm wearing a USA Rock shirts, a U.S. Border Patrol hat, and black sunglasses. What about in terms of what you want out of today? What's the best case scenario, or, or your side? What, what? Open, open dialogues and seeing that, hey, if, if people can actually have uh, a much more of a better understanding of our side without calling us Nazis. You know, at the end of the rallies and when we would leave, still people were saying, bye, bye neo-Nazis, bye white supremacists. So if their minds can't change, but yet we still managed to have an open dialogue. Let's try to leave without people calling me a white supremacist. But open dialogues are hard these days. Across the park, verbal skirmishes took place between the dozen or so pro-Trump far-right folks who showed up and those that came out against hate. Don't well, would you, would you like me to beat his ass? No. I would love to. Like, to, if, I could, if, I could, if I could just handle it, I could handle it, but you're invading my space. What you're doing right now is actually violence. I don't care. You need to get away from him because we're trying to be respectful here. We're trying to be respectful here. This is going on. You can't have a respectful conversation within two inches of someone's face. Come on, guys. Why are we doing this? Why, why is this happening? Why can't you talk to me at a respectful distance? Did you see how she was talking to me? It was very respectful. don't want it in Berkeley. I don't care if you don't, don't want, want it in Berkeley. I don't care if you don't Who's want it in Berkeley. City? Who's this city? is America. You're an American Who's citizen. City? You can yes. spread whatever ideas you want. Where? I know you don't I want it, you, you, can't, you can't do anything about free speech. What happens when speech threatens violence, or when the speech advocates that certain bodies should be wiped out? Is that violence? Is it speech? Is it both? Hold on. Hitting my fucking hat off my head is violence? I saw you try to Grabbing hit my her. sunglasses I saw you try to hit a woman. Are you a big fucking man? Because you're trying to hit a motherfucking woman? You can get my face? 
I'm Brian Sparks. I live in Berkeley. Well, I live two blocks from here, um, and I'm, I'm really afraid that if these people keep coming back, these supremacists keep coming back, we're going to have another Charlottesville. They, they bring violence with them. They're just, they have a violent ideology, and they bring violence with them. I don't want it here. You should think about the fact that the majority of the people in the United States did not vote for Trump and do not support Trump. It's about 10.30 right now, and uh, there have been a couple of pretty heated conversations, people ch talking over each other, police step in. And, uh, and break up the conversation. That seems to be their tactic at this moment. On a false charge. I think all lives matter, by the way, not black ones. Not just black ones. I'm gonna let life move me. Wanna let life turn me. Yeah, Victor Aguilera, and I'm a teacher, a social studies teacher at Berkeley High. As a history teacher, you know, I teach a lot about these movements, um, both, you know, historical movements uh, that have brought, you took us socially backwards. Um, and just being a part of it, I think, you know, gives students a model of, you know, what it would be like to be in those historical movements. Here we are in 2017, you know, standing up and marching against neo-Nazis and fascists. Like, who would have ever thought, right? The neo-Nazis who wanted to march in Skokie, Illinois, picked that town for a reason. It had a large population of Jewish residents. And around 8,000 of those Jewish residents were survivors of the Holocaust. Neo-Nazis wanted to speak hate to people who had seen hate speech turn into genocide. People all too familiar with the slippery slope between language and violence. Far-right free speech revisionists picked Berkeley for a reason too. As the birthplace of the free speech movement, it's the perfect symbolic space to rebrand free speech and the perfect place to expose the so-called intolerance of liberals. Even if that intolerance, what they aren't tolerating, is racism, intolerance itself. Neo-Nazis never ended up marching in Skokie. In Berkeley, the far-right folks didn't end up marching either. The rally was canceled by its own organizers. Only about a dozen or so far-right folks showed up, flexing their free speech muscles, sparking heated, I hesitate to call them conversations because conversation implies some sort of communication, instead sparking these screaming matches. Do you believe black people are genetically inferior to white people? You do. You do, and that's why you won't denounce it. You have been out Police are trying to separate people. There's just a crowd that's moving, a giant wave. Looks like another person's been detained. And there's a crowd of people running alongside the police. A group of police officers are trying to push their way through the crowd to get them out of the park. People are running as altercations between folks flared out of control. Police would come and escort people out of MLK Civic Center Park. Every time someone was expelled, it was like the park itself would exhale and all these people would run towards the exit. The crowd was no longer a group of individuals, but a single entity moving in mass. I run up to the figure who's just been escorted out of the park. He's surrounded by a circle of reporters, including now me. This guy, Johnny Benitez, this is not his first time in Berkeley. He's from Orange County. He's been associated with the Proud Boys, among other far-right fringe groups. And he's been associated with violence, including violence here. We were just standing there talking to people. Uh, a couple people in mass showed up and tried to start dragging me out to the middle to try to, like... They, they want... 
They wanted to beat you. They would have killed they, 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 they would have totally yeah, killed they wanted you. To and, and so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's just it. We just came here to have, I don't even know what, what just anti-Marxist event, and we keep getting called white supremacists. I'm a legal Latino. The lady that's throwing this event is a, a trans woman, and, and they're still trying to portray her as a, as a, as a white supremacist. It doesn't make any you sense. You came to the park, got into a couple of verbal flare-ups, and then held court with reporters. My people are the American people. I've been yeah, in this country my whole life. I'm an American actually, citizen. I, I Whether you're afraid, Latino, black, whatever you are, you're an American. Twice, what about my root? Nationality, nation is what's important. My identity is American. What I identify as is an American citizen. What? What is the American? Amer to me, freedom, free enterprise, rugged individualism, ridiculous. The fact that this is happening, you could come to my events, and I would not allow a leftist, no matter what they believe, to be violently And the fact that we have to leave this way is a shame. The crowd swells, pressing in against Benitez and the woman he's with. He jumps into a car. It drives off through the crowd. There's a difference between free speech and false narratives. They're both protected for sure, but you can hear the narrative that people like Johnny Benitez is pushing here, playing to the reporters, that Berkeley liberals are the ones oppressing us, that they are the violent ones. In some corners, violent fights did happen. And that got a lot of attention from national media, even The Daily Show. There were a lot of man-made disasters, too. Uh, Left-wing violence broke out in Berkeley. Anyone who was there in Berkeley knows that's really not the story. The whole narrative of left-wing violence was pushed on social media. And in many cases, national media followed suit. Violence breaking out after thousands of left and right protesters descending on Berkeley, California last night. In corners on side streets, there were violent flare-ups. One played out right in front of me when a guy who's a pro-Trump far-right fringe guy got chased and attacked and beaten by a bunch of Antifa. The journalist, the host of the podcast Reveal, Al Letson, he jumped into the fray to stop it from happening. I talked to him right afterwards. They were on top of this guy. They followed him, and then like the guy fell, and all these people were kicking him and like going for his head. So I got on top of his head and tried to stop him. And then my glasses got all fucked up. The amount of toxic masculinity right. on all, all sides. sides. I mean, and I hate to say that because I know what that's loaded with, but like no, that's true. what I'm feeling today. I'm not trying to create a false equivalency between Antifa and neo-Nazis. That's a complicated conversation for another story. But I did feel it, this sort of toxic masculinity. You don't have to be male to practice toxic masculinity. This sort of bloodlust out there. And it was another reminder of how violence was erasing language, was becoming a language of its own. Here's what did happen. Thousands of people, 7,000 according to the latest estimates, turned out to celebrate love and to protest white supremacy. To say what happened in Charlottesville will not happen here, not in Berkeley. And it didn't. So we are here to declare victory! So then here's the question. Is that a clampdown on free speech? Or is that the town rejecting a message that is certainly not silent in other parts of the country? Certainly not silent on the loud and crowded internet. What does it mean if a town comes out to say, your message isn't welcome here? Free speech cuts both ways. Uh, my name is John Seabury. I'm Berkeley native and I'm an artist. 
and I don't usually do political stuff, but this year is pretty different. They need press coverage, and they're coming here because they know they're going to get trouble from Berkeleyites. They're out-of-town agitators trying to cause violence in our town. And I think that's the only reason, because they know they can't win any baby here. So they're not just raising uh, consciousness about them or anything. They want to try and start a fight so they can get on the news and complain about the liberals. Well, I hope they give them help. No, I'm not even going to get into it. Just give them a bad time. Tell them they're not welcome in our town, or anywhere in this country for that matter. Nazi scum! Off our streets! Nazi scum! There they are! It's 12.44 and we just got word that the counter-protest, the big counter-protest a few blocks away is heading this way with uh, upwards of 2,000, maybe more people. Right now in Berkeley, the Antifa front lines are standing off against a row of Berkeley police officers at the barricade separating the park from the street. Someone shoots a purple cloud of gas into the air. Police put on their gas masks. Tension bristles in the hot summer heat. And then, just like that, the police leave. The crowd streams over the plastic barricades into the park. For many, this is a moment of celebration. Ana Muraga. In my interpretation of the First Amendment, I don't think the First Amendment protects hatred against other people and violence against other people. What happened in Charlottesville was just violent. It wasn't about expressing an opinion. It was violence, it was a death, and we cannot let that happen. And I don't think that that is a suppression of First Amendment rights to not let them uh, express their hatred and racism against others. The First Amendment. Where free speech is enshrined and protected, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. I'm not going to lie, I'm a big fan of the First Amendment. As a reporter, it literally speaks to me. In America, the saying goes, free speech is anything short of yelling fire in a crowded theater. That Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes way back in 1919. The case was Schenck versus the United States. Charles Schenck was convicted of violating the Espionage Act for handing out flyers, trying to convince young American men to refuse the draft for World War I. The Supreme Court upheld his conviction. His speech was found not to be free in a time of war in trying to convince men not to fight. That case gave pop culture two well-known idioms. First, the one already mentioned, don't yell fire in a crowded theater. And second... Some say the greatest threat to America. These drug cartels represent a clear and present danger. Someone's most electrifying motion picture. Clear and present danger. Yes, I did just play a trailer for a Tom Clancy movie. Clear and present danger. Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote in the Shank case that if someone's speech offered a clear and present danger, it wasn't allowed. Holmes came to regret his decision later, as did anyone standing in the way of Jack Ryan. I will not let you dishonor their memories by telling me you had nothing to do with it. So free speech has always been protected in theory. But in actuality, what it means has always been contested. A man wearing Trump's signature Make America Great Again hat is chased from the park. 
The crowd pursues him. He ends up surrounded by the maddening crowd, crouched up against a building on a side street. His red hat has been ripped from his head. What do you mean how we feel? That's how it is! That's how it is! That's how we feel! That's how it is! He prays. He tries to talk with the crowd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he's taking care of me in every way. I don't hate you. We have to have a life where we can That's not going to happen today. I can't go. I just have to sit. I am going to bring you But it's as everyone is speaking in tongues, as if they aren't speaking the same language. And to be able to speak of anything, I am against the white supremacy that's been pushed by the Democratic Party. I'm against the white supremacy. KKK, which has been pushed by the Democratic Party from 1820. They don't even live in the same world. They no longer have a shared history. And the Democratic Party, they stop civil rights. We fight for civil rights. I want to see. He's not wrong. The Democratic Party was opposed to civil rights way back when. Democratic governors and legislators in the South were largely responsible for establishing white supremacist rule. But that changed during the 60s and 70s. And it was the Republican Party that wooed Southern Democrats with an anti-integration states' rights platform. Which is to say, he's not right either. It's complicated. African-American, Asian, white, Hispanic. We are all Trump supporters. I, I can't get out. And I've been attacked. And I'm not getting protected. I don't know why. I'm trying to get... Maybe. I lost my glasses and my hat was taken and my... Um, I'd like to move out of here safely. Can we guarantee that? I don't know. As long as you're supporting the Constitution, we're on the same side. Did you catch what that woman said there? As long as you're supporting the Constitution, we're on the same side. I came for free speech. I was still trying to do it. I was still trying to have free speech. What does this guy, his name is Arthur Shopper, mean by saying he's trying to do free speech? Free speech, speaking freely, doesn't mean people have to listen. But I can't help but wonder if the meaning of free speech has been diluted, even perverted, that it's become this umbrella term to allow racism and hate, to say basically anything you want and to feel like people have to listen to you. That's not the deal. Free speech is the right to speak freely. It doesn't demand ears to open, and it doesn't mean that people don't get to answer back. Every one of the dozen or so pro-Trump, alt-right fringe people who showed up made a big show of saying how they weren't racist and how they just wanted to practice free speech. They just wanted to have conversations. But it did seem like some people were there to provoke. Joey Gibson, the guy who planned and then canceled the free speech rally in San Francisco, he came to the park and he walked in in a really provocative way, flagging who he was, almost challenging some of the Antifa activists to seek him out. They did. Violence was provoked. This argument about free speech and Berkeley as a staging ground for it is not going anywhere. In the fall, on the Berkeley campus, speakers like Ann Coulter, Miley Yiannopoulos, and even Steve Bannon are scheduled to come and speak. People will come out to counter-protest. Antifa will show up. The battle for Berkeley, the battle over who gets to define free speech, is very much on. 
You're listening to Cued Up. I'm Sandhya Dirks. Reporters Devin Kadayama, Julie Small, and Eric Aguilar contributed to this piece. It was edited by Julia McAvoy. The executive producers of Cued Up are Holly Kernan and Ethan Lindsay. Thanks for listening. <laughs>